There we go. Today, it's working. Today is going to be our uh, last message in, in kind of our Zooming In series that we have started in the beginning of this year and, and we have been going through over the last four weeks. However, um, it is not going to be the, the, the end of our talk about Zooming In and what it means to, to zoom in to our community and to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My hope and my prayer is that this is going to be a conversation that continues um, for months on end and even years on end as we seek to see um, our neighborhoods and, and seek to see our, our friend groups and our community transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that this is just something that we do, that we will be constantly focusing and then refocusing on opportunities that we, uh, th that we can minister to people and see them come to Christ and to walk in the fullness that is Christ. Now, as we think about something like zooming in and as we think about how do we share the gospel in our community, if we are going to take at the very least 2021 this year and, and because we can't get in, get on airplanes and travel across the world and because we can't um, get in a church van and, and drive to other states or other parts of the commonwealth, um, because we need to stay put and focus in on, on the world around us and the lostness that is around us, the question often comes up, how? How are we going to do this? Specifically, how do we zoom into our community and yet see the work, see the word of God spread to every corner of the globe? That's kind of something that a lot of times we, we think as an either or. Either we are going to focus in on our community and share the gospel in our community and just, just zoom in on our community, or we are going to share the gospel to the ends of the earth and, and, and do things that are going to have an impact on the whole globe. I think that's actually one of the problems we often have in churches when we start talking about missions and we start talking about being involved in missions is we think that there's this either or, either we focus on our community, or we go to the ends of the earth. And yet, when we talk about zooming in and when we look to Scripture about ministering in our community, ministering to the people around us, we see often that as we zoom in on our community and as we share the gospel with the people around us, that it does have an impact on the world. To prove that point and to answer that question, I would like us to, to focus in on a passage of Scripture today that is found in the book of Acts. Really, there is never a better place to look when we talk about how do we share the gospel and create a movement of God than the book of Acts. So turn with me to Acts chapter 13. We're going to pick up in verse 42, but before we do that, I want to kind of give you some context as to what is going on. In Acts chapter 13, it begins with Paul's kind of missionary call, Paul and Barnabas, to, to go out and to make the gospel known. This is the, the beginning of their first missionary journey. And so we see that they, the Holy Spirit lays it on the heart of the church of Antioch to send out Paul and Barnabas to go make the gospel known. They pray over them, they lay hands on them, and then they send them out. And they begin to travel. And, and as they travel, they end up in this place called Pisidian Antioch. 
And that's where our story is going to take place. And, and when we jump into the story today, when we jump into this, this event, they have already begun proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And, and people have heard it, and they're actually coming into the second time that they are going to show up in a specific place in order to share the gospel. So with that in mind, let's start in verse 42, and we're going to read to verse 52. Um, I'm in the wrong chapter, excuse me. And we're going to see what God does through them. If you are able, please uh, rise for the reading of God's word once again. This is Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 42 and reading through to verse 52. The word of God says this. It says, as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes um, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of, pro of prominence and the leading men in the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. In this passage, we begin to see how Paul's methodology and Paul's process for witnessing in the various places that he will go um, begins to take shape. And I think it is wise for us to study this and hopefully apply it to our community as well. So with that in mind, we need to start at the beginning. As we had already mentioned, Paul had arrived in this town, in this place called Pisidian Antioch, and he had begun to preach. And, and what we see from the passage is that he begins to preach at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, I want you to, to kind of understand what Paul is doing. Paul is beginning in the place where he is most comfortable. They are attending worship service at the local synagogue, on the Sabbath, like they have done in their own hometowns for years and years and years. They knew 
the, the terminology. They knew the order. They knew how things functioned. They knew the people. They knew what to wear. They knew how to talk. They knew when to stand up and they knew when to sit down. They were comfortable and they were familiar with what was going on. In fact, as we see in our passage, that they were doing so for the second time after already been there and already been invited to speak. These are two Jewish men going to where the Jews of that community gathered. For their context, this would have undoubtedly been the most comfortable place for them to be. They were at home here. They were around people that they knew, that they had, um, that they looked like, that they shared a similar history, that they shared a similar worldview. They would have cheered for the same things. They would have booed the same things. They got each other and they, un- un- and they understood each other. Over and over again throughout Paul's ministry, he enters into a new place and immediately goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day in order to share with his fellow Jews and those God-fearers, those proselytes that it talked about, those Gentile converts, about the good news. Now, I think that there is a reason for this. This was not by accident. This was not just something that, that he did without thought that there was an actual reason why he did this. And, and the reason is, is going to be very deep and meaningful for you today. That reason is you have to start somewhere. Now, I want to think, just, just think for a moment as we talk about sharing the gospel. And a lot of times, the reason that individuals and that people in, in the church, people who know Christ, don't share the gospel is because they don't know where to start. But Paul just said, I have to start somewhere. You just, the number one thing I want you to kind of figure out about sharing the gospel is in order to share the gospel, you have to start sharing the gospel. You have to start somewhere. We have this huge misconception, even in in, in this church and in most evangelical churches today, that evangelism and mission work means going to strange people in strange places and starting awkward conversations. We think that the only way that we really witness is if we go into some door-knocking ministry or wandering around the mall or going into the big city and just randomly going up to complete strangers and handing them things and asking them meaningful questions and even awkward questions in hopes of starting a Bible conversation. That is the reason why, for most of us, any talk or training about evangelism scares the fire out of us. I can tell you right now, if I said I'm going to start a Bible study and that Bible study is going to be on any book of the Bible, you would probably show up. But if I said I was going to start an evangelism training, I better do it online because I'll probably be in the room by myself. It scares us. And it's because of the preconceived notions we have about evangelism. And yet Paul consistently started in the place where he was the most comfortable. He went around people that he knew would accept him. He went around people where he was comfortable, where he could relax, where he felt like he was home. Think about for a moment, where would that be for you? In your life today, where are you when you are the most 
at ease, where you are the most comfortable, where you feel like you belong to that group. I think for most of us, we would kind of immediately think of our family and friends. We think of our family, that, that the place that we can finally really relax and let our hair down is, is going to be among our, our, our family members and in our home. A lot of us also have uh, friends that are, are very, very close to us and, and we feel most at rest and most at home when, when we are gathered around our friend groups and, and doing stuff with our friends, whether that's sharing a meal or watching a movie or just hanging out at somebody's house. I know as we get to kind of some of the younger people in the room that a lot of times you may feel more comfortable when you're hanging out with your friends than you do when you're hanging out in your house. Maybe this is a sports group or a, a, a team that you work with. A lot of times we have young people and even not so young people where they feel most at home on, say, the basketball court. And, and even adults that play in competitive leagues like competitive softball and whatnot, they have some of their closest friends and the people that they really just vibe with are the ones are, that they play on sports teams with. Kids, the same way, if you're on that traveling softball team or traveling basketball team or, or whatever it might be, those a lot of times become your closest friends. Work is also that way. If you're working on the line in a factory or you have a, a group or an office full of coworkers that you see on a regular basis, they kind of become your second family. I hear all the time conversations about having a work mom or a work dad or even maybe a work wife, not in the, the bad sense, but just someone that kind of takes care of you. And you create these meaningful friendships with people that you work with so that when you even get to the office, you kind of are able to have conversations with them that you may not have even in this building. These are all people that you are most comfortable with. You might be a part of a club or a social organization. You might be in a choir or a music group. You just have to ask yourself, where am I most in my element? Where am I most confident? Now think about that for a second. Where are you with your people? Where are you confident? Where do you know what you're doing and you know you belong? This may be where you need to start. Throughout all of the New Testament, as we see the gospel being proclaimed, and even as we are commanded for the gospel to, to go forth, we always see the conversation start with what's familiar. We look to Acts 1.8. It says, you shall be my witnesses. And it begins with this, both in Jerusalem and Judea, and then Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. He tells them, begin here. Begin among the people that you know best in the place that you know best. Romans 1.16, one of those famous gospel verses says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Writing, even though he's writing to Gentiles, there's this idea that the gospel started where it would be most familiar. As we share the gospel, as we zoom in in our community, the reason we're even suggesting that we start to zoom in to certain areas and to certain people in order to share the gospel is because all of us in this room have places where we are most confident and most comfortable. 
Even the young people in the room, as they attend classes and go from class to class to class, whether that's on the college level or the high school level or the middle school level or even in elementary school, there are certain places where you are that you feel your best. And that's where you start. Because you have to start somewhere. We have to start where we are familiar Start by sharing the good news with those whom you are most comfortable, your family, your close friends, your co-workers, all those people who will listen and even allow you to, to kind of grow in that conversation as you become more confident sharing. You never know when you just talking about your faith with the people that you consider your friends will lead to one of them hearing the good news and being saved. Now think about that for a second. Think about your family members and your coworkers and your classmates and the people that just have an important part of your life. Imagine coming to a point where you realize that you will get to be with them in eternity because you took the time to share with them the good news of Christ. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? And so what we see from Paul is that we start with the most familiar. We start where we're comfortable. We start start with what we know. But, and this is the important thing we need to remember today as we talk about zooming in, but we do not stay there. We do not stay there. This is where our passage today really has an impact on what we're talking about, about about zooming in and even just the refocusing. Paul and Barnabas had shared on one Sabbath and had now returned to speak again on the next Sabbath. Only on this Sabbath, things were different. See, on that first Sabbath, if, Sabbath, if you read um, the passage before, they had come and they had spoke and they had just done a fantastic job of, of taking the Old Testament and using the Old Testament to point to the reality that Jesus is the Christ and has done this to the Jews and has proclaimed the good news of the gospel to the Jews in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But on this day, when they show up to synagogue, it's not just the Jews that have gathered, but everybody is gathered. People have been talking. And they have been talking about these two people that that brought this new idea and this new um, revelation from God that this had an impact on not just the Jews and that one little small part of the community in Pisidian Antioch, but it involved the entire city itself. And because of that, the entire city, undoubtedly an exaggeration, but but certainly a large amount of people, had come to the synagogue to the point that it was packed at so much so that the Jews were unhappy about it. And before you get too judgmental about the Jews, make no mistake, if this church was packed next Sunday, somebody would complain. Just let's own it. Somebody would complain in here if this church was packed. If anything, because we don't have enough parking. It's true. It's a reality. So with all these people there wanting to hear what this this Paul fellow and this Barnabas fellow had to say, the Jews who were the most familiar with and the people who knew already heard the message and knew what was going on, they became jealous and started arguing and contradicting even to the point of blaspheming against Paul and Barnabas. Verse 
Now, if you have shared the gospel with people long enough, you know what they're talking about. Because if you share the gospel with people long enough, there are going to be people in your life with whom you've talked about Jesus. Well, they will start saying stuff that is so wild and is so, um, uh, I don't even know how to say it, that is so, they're, they're dripping venom from their mouth as they speak to you, that they are, are, are so angry with you and, and just wanting to do so much that they can to frustrate you and to exacerbate you and to, to, to just get you to, to shut up or, or to feel stupid, that, that you find yourself not even being able to get a word in. That's what they were doing. And as Paul and as Barnabas were trying to once again communicate the good news that Christ has saved us from our sins, they could not even get a word in. And make no mistake, there comes a time in every ministry, even when we are sharing with those most close to us, that we are just no longer able to share. We actually talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning, that as you work with someone and, and you have someone in your life and you consistently share with them and share with them and share with them, they suddenly come to the realization that, that, that they are not listening anymore. That you're not having a conversation, that it's always an argument. That they are ignoring you or avoiding you or whatever it may be, and you feel like you are basically just beating your head against a brick wall. It's a reality. And it's one we need to recognize or otherwise we will get so frustrated that we'll ultimately quit doing what God has called us to do. Now, I want you to understand some other ways that, that this happens, though. As we begin to think about our world and, and, and the way that we are called to do the gospel, sometimes we get to the point where we realize we're not sharing the gospel with people because they're not listening. It's true. And that's going to happen in our lives. But if we're really honest with ourselves in the church today, a lot of times what really ended up happening is that we suddenly kind of like looked around and realized that the people that we're closest with, the people that are in our family or in our social circles, they're already Christians. There's nobody to witness to. I've heard this said, and, and I've had to own this even myself a few times. You know, one of the, the things about moving to a place and the moment you move there, the reason you're there is you're a pastor as you certainly start to realize that the people, the only people that want to talk to you are other Christians. People from church, people who work in other churches, people who serve in other churches. And suddenly you realize that your entire circle of friends are Christians. Now that's a great thing. Unless you stop sharing the gospel with people. And so just like Paul and Barnabas, they came to this realization that at this moment, at this time... They were not going to be able to share the gospel as they had always done. And make no mistake, brothers and sisters, there is going to come points in your life where you will look at on the people that you are close with, look at on the, on, on the ones that you are most comfortable and familiar with, and you will realize there is nobody here that I have an open door that I have an opportunity to share Christ with. Either they are already saved and they, sh and they are doing the work alongside me, or they have put up a brick wall and they are no longer listening to me. And I am no longer able to share, at least at this point in time. When that happens, we have a choice to make. 
It says that Paul and, and, and Barnabas, that when they came to the realization that, that these people were no longer allowing them to share and no longer allowing them to proclaim the good news, it says that they responded to them boldly, which often implies that the Holy Spirit had been moving in their, li- in their hearts. And so they responded in the power of the Holy Spirit and they said, we are going to make a change. You have to make a choice yourself. Do we continue to beat the people in our lives over the head with the same words and the same message? Do we just choose a a future relationship full of fighting and arguing and creating conflict? Do we just quit sharing Christ altogether and maybe focus on ourselves and our own piety and our own spiritual walk? Or do we seek out new opportunities around us all the while continuing to pray for those closest to us? We'll look again at Paul's response. In verse 46 and 47, it says this. It says, Barnabas and Paul spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When Paul and Barnabas realized that they could no longer get a fair hearing of the gospel from the Jews, they moved on. This becomes a pattern throughout all of Paul's ministry. Look at Acts 17, 17. It says, so, so Paul was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. This took place in Athens. Throughout the ministry of Paul, he would go to the synagogue, he would share at the synagogue, and then he would ultimately move to the marketplace and to places where Gentiles would gather in order to share. He never gave up on the Jews. He never just said, well, they're a lost cause. I guess I'll just wash my hands of them. In fact, Romans, the book of Romans even says that, that, he, that Paul wrote, writes that I have a great sorrow and un, unceasing grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself was a curse separated from Christ for the sake of my countrymen, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Gentile, or excuse me, who are Israelites. My heart's desire and the prayer of God to th- for them is for, their, is for their salvation. But... Paul continued to refocus his efforts so that other people would hear the good news also. I want you to think about that for a second as we talk about zooming in on our community. Zooming in our community does not mean that we just pick one person, one group, we share Jesus with them, and if it works, great, and if it doesn't, oh well, and then we stop. Instead, it means we focus in on people, we invest in them, we care about them, we share the good news of Christ with them over and over and over again, and we do so until they will no longer hear a word from us. And then we continue to pray for them, but we seek out new places and new opportunities to share Christ with people. This leads to the result of this zooming in, refocusing, and zooming in again. Look again at verse 48 and 49. It says that when the Gentiles learned this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. 
the Gentiles were overjoyed concerning this good news that Jesus had come to save Gentiles and that he was bringing them into the family of God. In fact, they were so overjoyed that they were the ones who spread the word throughout the region. It was not the Jews going out necessarily and and telling everybody about Jesus, but it was ultimately the Gentiles that went out and told everybody about Jesus. Guys, we have to remember that that is our goal. That is what we want to see, right? We want to see people hear the good news, get saved, and then start telling other people the good news who get saved and so on and so forth. When we zoom in, when we take ownership of people in our community around us and we share the gospel with them, and as we zoom in, we refocus, we zoom in again, we share Christ with all of those who are all around us, then a movement of God will happen and revival will finally take place. We want that, right? We want to see God do something here, right? We want to see our community and and even beyond our community transformed for Christ. And that happens when we share Christ. I was struck by something from our Sunday school lesson today as um, as I was preparing for it. And I wanted to share it with you. And it takes place in Luke chapter 4. And if you um, did not go to Sunday school this morning or you're watching online and you didn't go to Sunday school, the video is on Facebook as well as on YouTube. And in Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, it says these words. And it says, but he said to them, and he is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I must also preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Think of, I just want to pause for that just a second. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying. You think about everything that Jesus did. And undoubtedly, the most important of what Jesus did being that he went to the cross and died for our sins and rose from the grave three days later. In this moment, in Luke chapter 4, he turned to his disciples and, and, and at this point he had performed miracles and he had been speaking and all of this great stuff was happening and he said, hey... It's time to move on because I'm here to proclaim the kingdom of God. I'm here to share the gospel with people. And so he went and he went not just to one synagogue and then just stayed put. He didn't just stay in Nazareth like we learned about today after they rejected him, but he moved on. He kept seeking new places to share the good news of Christ. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, verse 44, he says this, because I was, or excuse me, 43, he says, because I was sent for this purpose. Well, this should ring something else in your mind as we have continually gone back to John 20, 21, where Jesus also said, and just as the Father sent me, so I also send you. If Christ was sent to proclaim the kingdom of God in all of the cities, then so are we. We are reminded from our passage, these passages and from our passage today, again, that we are sent. We are sent to proclaim the gospel, the kingdom of God until it reaches everywhere. But this year, 
it starts here. It starts in the Tunnel Hill area. It starts in Hardin County. It starts in Elizabethtown. It starts as we, right here, and all of us starting right here. And as we share the gospel, we will see it go from here to there to everywhere. Now, I don't want you to kind of miss the end of the passage here because we, we end at this overjoyed time and this wonderful experience. And the Gentiles were so excited and they shared the gospel. But make no mistake, when Paul and Barnabas, when they began proclaiming that and when this big movement of God happened in this region, it says that a persecution rose up against them and it came from their own people. So much so that they had to move on. But make no mistake, there was also joy. There was joy in the good news of the gospel. There was joy that the gospel would, so much so that that joy would spread. That joy was in them. It was among them. And it spread throughout the whole region. And that joy started with the good news of the gospel and the good news of what Christ has done. Now, we communicate that good news by using a, a three-circle um, approach, and it's something that hopefully by now you know, and hopefully you guys know how to get up on the, on the screen. Um, and and that, that gospel is this. First thing, and this is something the Jews would have understood, the first thing that we have to understand when it comes to the gospel is that God has a design, God has a plan, that God created and the Jews would have understood this because they knew that in Genesis 1-1, it says, for God created the heavens and the earth and that God created everything with purpose on purpose. And that includes you and me, that we have a design that we were created with purpose. Now, what we also know and what we see from the Jews and their own behavior is that we don't want to stay a part of God's design, but we want to create our own purpose. And so we, as the arrow shows, we depart from God's design. And when we do that, that's called sin. And that sin always leads us to a place of brokenness. And brokenness is something that, that we understand, that we experience. Brokenness is what makes us angry. Brokenness is what makes us feel worthless. Brokenness is what makes us feel like we don't belong. All of us have felt brokenness in our lives. The Bible even says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that, and that sin leads us to this place of brokenness. And it is a place that we cannot get out of on our own. See, this is where the Jews messed up. The Jews that, that, that Paul is preaching to, even at this time, the Jews thought that if, if they just obey the law, if they just follow these 600 plus rules and, and because they are our descendants of Abraham, if they just do this right, that they'll be able to get out of their brokenness, that they'll be fixed in their relationship with God. And guys, we do the same thing. If I just go to church enough, I'll be fixed. If I just do enough good deeds, I'll be, I'll be fixed. If I work hard enough and create a name for myself, I'll be fixed. If I, if I raise my kids so that they're better people than I am, then I'll be fixed. But we know better. And we know it doesn't fix us. Because we can't fix brokenness from brokenness. And that's why Paul had to go to share the good news. 
And the good news is found in this passage. If you read just a few verses ahead in Acts chapter 13, he says that the Jesus who most of them had heard of, the Jesus who was betrayed, who died on a cross, and who rose again three days later, that that Jesus had done all those things to save broken people. And he said, what we have experienced, we now proclaim to you. That if you will repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. That if you will believe that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, that he is the Christ, that he is the, the son of the living God, that he lived a perfect life, that he died a sacrificial death, that he rose from the grave three days later. If you believe that, and then you turn, repent, turning away from sin and turning to Christ, making Jesus your Lord and Savior, you will escape that brokenness and you will be able to recover and pursue God's design for your life once again. Guys, we are surrounded by people that need to hear this. We are surrounded by people who, who fell, fall into this circle of brokenness. Maybe even some of you in this room, if I were to ask you, where are you in this picture? You would know, you would recognize, I am broken. Well, I got good news for you. Everybody here was that at one point. All of us are or were, and a lot of times still feel like we're, you know, there. But the question we always have that we ask from this thing is, if you know and if you sense that you're in that place of brokenness, what is preventing you from believing the gospel and turning to Jesus? You've heard that question. And you need to respond to that question. But so do they. So do the people down the street and around the corner. So do the people in your school and in your clubs and in your organizations. So does the family that sits around your Thanksgiving table. But they're not going to hear it unless you not someone else, not me, you share it with them. So what will you do? You're going to find out on the vestibule something a little different. Uh, we made a card that, that says kind of what are you focusing in and what are you zooming in on? And on that card, you will see a list of over 30 areas in our community where there are undoubtedly lost people that need to hear the gospel. So if you are here today and you very much so see yourself in kind of that, that have to start somewhere place and you've been sharing the gospel and when you look at your dining room table, when you look at your friend group and your immediate circle of friends, you realize that there is really no one there to witness to. They're either all saved or they have turned you off a long time ago. And you have no God, you are not actively sharing the gospel with anybody because there's no one to share the gospel with. That card may help you refocus and rezoom in on a place where God can use you for his glory. But if you still have those, now I'm not saying you abandon those lost people in your life. You pray for them and you, you anxiously wait for God to open a, a new opportunity, a new door to share with them. But don't just sit, just don't just sit there twiddling your thumbs, waiting for that to happen. Allow God to use you 
for his kingdom and for his glory. If you are with us today and God is speaking to you and he is calling you to believe and to turn to Jesus, then don't wait one more day because you're not promised one more day. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for your word because God, we know your word is truth. Lord, I just praise you for the example that you have given us through the book of Acts and, and the fact that you have called us to, to share the good news and that God, that you are wanting us to continually do that where we are doing what we're doing. Lord, I pray that we will take these words seriously. God, I, I pray that we'll start by taking these words seriously, knowing that you can save us and that you have sent your son to save us and that we will, we will believe and that we will cry out to Jesus and we will be saved. But then God, right along with that, I pray that you will give us a burden, a burden to see other people in our lives come to know Christ and that we will never cease to look for people who need to hear the good news of the gospel. Lord, we thank you so much for that reminder today. And we praise you for the amazing grace that we experience through Christ. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.